Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Boston, Massachusetts, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back for another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Lee Cantor, Stone Payton here with you, broadcasting live from Boston. And we've got our Boston Training Pros RM at the table this afternoon. How are you, Mr. Dan Collier? I am excellent, Stone. Thank you to you and, and Lee both for coming back to Boston and, and bringing the Learning Insights program back to our market. So you brought another smart guy for us, huh? Uh, I, I have several. <laughs> I have several, but yes, I brought in for a kick us off this afternoon one of my co-board members at ATD Boston. And he's VP of Technology for ATD Boston. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast, Mr. Roger Shepard. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank, thanks to everyone for uh, having me here. I'm looking forward to this. Now, um, why don't we talk a little bit about ATD Boston? What makes your uh, chapter so awesome? I think it's our yeah, board members. Uh, board. Working with Leadership. Dan. Working right? with Dan is, is great. And uh, I think really having a understanding of what's going on in the community is uh, helpful and always having, you know, sort of the ear to the ground and uh, constantly talking to find out what the members of our chapter are actually looking for. And you have a good mix of consultants with uh, people in big corporate jobs. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd probably let Dan address the uh, the membership <laughs> mix a little bit more. I, I sort of live on that tech side, but yeah. Uh, yeah, a absolutely. I'd say uh, it's probably about a 50-50 split mm -hmm. between uh, corporate uh, practitioners in learning and development as well as uh, consultants, vendors, and, and we have an occasional uh, folks in transition looking to use the opportunity to network and, and grow their reach within the learning community. And education is an important component of an ATD uh, meeting. Uh, can you share some of the last few that you've, uh, what are some of the topics you guys have been talking about? Uh, the last topic of, of last month was a really interesting one. We had a presenter come in to talk about both formal and informal mentoring programs. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it got a lot of great um, response afterwards. That person has been available to uh, answer questions and help uh, other companies in one of our previous interviews this morning talked about that a little bit um, prior to that we, we actually had to cancel one of our first learning events ever due to weather and, and if you're from the Boston area you'll, you'll know why <laughs> but the February event was canceled um, the the Massachusetts actually had a state of emergency that day, okay. so we couldn't bring people out to come to an ATD event. Um, but we, we do a mix of programs. Uh, some of them are uh, social networking programs where it's very loose. Other ones, uh, last year we did a variety of um, uh, panel discussions. We had presentations on technology. We had presentations on the soft skills. Um, everything culminated to the end of last year, our, our December event was an e-learning cook-off where we actually uh, <laughs> that sounds like fun <laughs> we, 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 i we, like it we emulated tv's mm. iron chef and uh -huh. we had a competition wow. with uh, e-learning developers who used their tool of choice and, and and built a program it was extremely well attended we had over 80 attendees at the program and um still a big buzz about it today and in fact we've put it on the table to start planning for e-learning cook-off <laughs> too uh, later this year so I, don't take this the wrong way, please, Roger, but I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised that an association, um, it, that it would warrant needing someone to be a vice president of technology. Is technology just that prevalent and, and 
that ingrained in everything that we do that you just have to have somebody like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at the technology you guys have here today to uh, broadcast this. And, you know, I think it's become the foundation for everything that we're doing in terms of being able to deliver the content uh, to our audience, uh, whether it be live or we do a recording or uh, promotion of it. Promotion of it is huge between uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, our website. So there's uh, content underlying regarding that uh, that's a constant flow of communication yeah it's it's really entrenched in there now is there any challenges um when you're dealing with people of different generations and having like a high technology you know a a lot of content in uh uh, you know being delivered through a lot of technology where maybe some of the older people aren't as comfortable with the technology or do you see him look at dan when he said older people (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, the the thoughts and uh running through my mind at this point uh it's true it's true i i came from uh an organization a, a fortune 100 organization that lived and died by email that was their primary form of communication Mm. so to try to introduce something where you would have online communities to talk and uh, provide feedback huge challenge Uh, when we look at what we're trying to do with uh, putting the chapter forward and and making this a little bit more relative uh, and relevant to what we're delivering uh, there's an ongoing challenge to get um, you know the generational divide to embrace some of the technology such as Twitter Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, you know I, I think the best thing we can do is let those generations younger than us sort of lead the way. Mm-hmm. You know, the adoption rate for these things is rapid, and if they don't work out, um, the total cost of investment is usually relatively low, like right. free. You know, oh, that, <laughs> right. did, look, that didn't work. Let's stop doing that. And, and you can have the um, you know the baby boomers teach the younger people like Morse code and telegraph things like sure, that. So it works sure. both ways, right? Right, right. In, in case you know, in case technology stops at some point, we will need paper. We'll, we'll need that. Sure. So I, I mean, we've all come across, and some of us have an opportunity to to live every day examples of how technology enhances learning. Uh, but I got to believe, in some cases, it could actually hinder it if it's not managed properly can you first of all do you feel like that's accurate and if so can you speak to it a little bit where technology could actually maybe even get in the way of learning oh sure sure i I think it's human nature that uh as soon as we learn a new skill or tip or technique it's something that we want to try out right we do it in our everyday life we do it in our job so you know maybe i got a new piece of software let's sort of use that software for everything <laughs> right does it does it really provide a solution for what we're trying to do maybe not but, but it's let's, cool but it's so cool and I, I can animate people and I can do this and do that so I, th- I think that's where the hindrance really lies in in that just that nature of showing our new skill set in mm-hmm. leveraging technology to do that I, I think at its best technology is absolutely transparent you know it's the content that's always king and it's really just the tech that's sort of there to uh, provide the channel for the information flow. Now, we talked a little bit about the challenge generationally uh, for dealing with the technology, but are you finding that from a content standpoint that you have to adjust, you know, kind of the length and breadth of any given piece of content, uh, maybe in smaller bites for the younger people that maybe the older people want more in-depth information? 
Sure, sure. I, I, I think that's a great point and, and not to make it too tongue-in-cheek that, you know, there are some generations who actually like to read <laughs> and some who just want uh, bite-sized snippets. I'm just back a couple weeks now from the Learning Solutions Conference down in Orlando and um, micro-learning was a hot topic there. So uh, what, how are they... What's the definition of micro-learning? I, I mean, we're getting to the point where we used to think like a, an online seminar or training could be 30, 60, 90 minutes. Right. Uh, average video size being dropped down to maybe five minutes. Now we're talking 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, you know, hmm. what is it that you really... In a video, like a 30-second video? Sure, sure. I mean, if you're doing some heavy-duty technical training, um, you know, a lot of times you can provide that answer in that short of time frame. So now every all of your training has to be uh, a tweet size chunk? Almost tweet <laughs> size, yeah. That's a good way, the, living that 140-character <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. So, that I mean, when you're attacking it that way, how do you um, begin the design of those kind of courses like you have to get it down into those little bite-sized chunks i mean do you start large and then work backwards or you start small and work your way up uh, i think i think you always start with a larger picture what is it you're actually trying to convey and when we talk about micro learning as a trend i think that's maybe you know we're hearing it more about it this year and maybe it'll sort of level itself out in terms of what the sweet spot actually is mm-hmm. you know that keeps on refining itself as we lose uh, more of our attention span over the course of time uh, but ultimately i i think it's large-scale planning, uh, as you said, and really trying to find out what it is you're trying to develop for. Uh, a lot of uh, sweet solutions that I've seen so far can be the, uh, let's provide a lot of a little things, sort of the buffet, if you will, and let users consume as they see fit. Now, it's a large buffet, right. and there's a lot of content there, but they consume can consume when and how uh, they need to. But when you have these bites, uh, do you try, do you even attempt to try to make them a narrative of, as if you would watch them all or is that not important? Like each one has to kind of live by itself? Uh, that's a great question. I, th- I think that really depends on what sort of a solution you're trying to put together. Uh, a lot of technical training that I develop, uh, you may have an IT administrator coming into one particular spot Uh, It may be presented in an entire curriculum and they see a preferred order, if you will, mm-hmm. of that curriculum, but they can sort of uh, consume that one Like just cherry pick that one thing that yeah, they need the at gr- that moment. Yeah, great way to put it, cherry picking. Yeah, and, and you know, there needs to be some th- sort of uh, thematic um, role going through it or they will be lost. You, you need to supply some sort of context to it, but it's still relatively short and probably much shorter than traditional learning. I would think that for an instructional designer, this could all get very overwhelming. Everything from deciding what to capture, how to capture, how to divide it up, how to communicate with the SMEs. I mean, there must be a lot of challenges and a lot of changes for instructional designers through all this, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I think the challenges that really occur are... Um, working with those subject matter experts, uh, you know, they, I think it's it's twofold. One is working with those SMEs and really trying to achieve their buy-in. Uh, again, I think a lot of this comes back to just human nature, where they say, uh, "Let's sit down and talk about this." And if I have knowledge that you may not necessarily have, I want to tell you everything. I want to give you anecdotes. I, I want to tell you the best stories that I have. 
Is that what you need? Not necessarily, but that's the information that I desire to share with you. So there's a lot of filtering that goes on. Uh, and then, you know, if I develop something and present it to you for your feedback and a sort of your stamp of approval on it, uh, a lot of times there's that natural desire to not critique someone too hard. Right. And, you know, you'll say, oh, that looks great. That's fantastic. You know, because it's we want to give that sense of encouragement, especially in the workplace. But the reality is, uh, you know, that may not be the best content to be delivered. So that's a huge ongoing challenge. The, the second challenge, uh, I think, is because we live in the L and D world and our desires to drive training, and, uh, drive tra- training, and sort of share knowledge. Um, we always want to say yes. So a lot of times we end up being just order takers. Um, so if someone comes to us, either internally or externally, we say, yes, let's, let's put training to a solution for that. And it may just be you know, a human resources issue you need to take care of separately. You know, we don't need to provide training for every single thing, but a lot of times that's sort of our, our vibe. You know, we become that storefront and it's something we always want to do. And you know, uh, the customer may not be right in that sense that Here's another solution. It's quicker, it's easier, it's more cost-effective, and here's how you can uh, attack it. So, yeah. Now, when you're dealing with all these con- this content in all these different forms, how do you handle the curation of all of this? Oh, that's, that, that's, that's an evolving question. You know, curation was my favorite word for 2014. <laughs> uh, you know, h- how do people uh, manage it? You know, uh, in terms of developing and delivering the content, we talk about content learning management systems, uh, CLMS, uh, you know, to be able to deliver that and make it reusable. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of integration, what we would uh, consider the, the social popularity side of things where uh, we can upvote, we can thumbs up or thumbs down or dislike or flag something appropriately. Uh, And and I think there's a certain value to that rather than just the uh, smile sheet evaluation. So uh, in terms of that curation, I think it's the audience who is really driving it and saying, yes, this is a value. No, that did nothing for me or was incorrect data or something along those lines. So uh, as as much as we sort of have the background technology uh, to aid us in that, it's really the audience that drives it. Now, is that the same with the means of them uh, receiving the content? Like you might think, wow, I think video is the way to go in this. And the audience says, well, I'd rather read it. Or you know, vice versa? You know, I may feel as though I'm, I'm shooting my own industry in the foot sometimes, <laughs> but I think there's this concept that we know what's best, and we don't take the time and effort to really find out how something is being consumed mm-hmm. or where it should be consumed. Uh, you know, uh, you look at a lot of large retailers, they will literally pull all their people off the floor one by one to go sit in the back office to sit and watch something. Mm. And if you're shorthanded, well, you stop what you're doing and go right back on the floor. I mean, that's the challenge of retail. But, you know, there might be a nice little tablet solution that you or can an have Apple on watch. the floor. Or an <laughs> Apple Watch. Does anyone is anyone wearing a watch? <laughs> no. We we have a watch here. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, so that's one of the challenges that you're facing. It's almost like information overload, and how to not only do you want to give them the content, you want to make sure that they're using it and they're being compliant with whatever you're trying to teach them. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you and use they, that as a judge of 
the value or success of it. Sure, sure. And they have that desire to consume it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of compliance training, as you just said, I mean, it's there's a need to for, you know, litigious reasons right. and, and prevention and things like that. But uh, when you're just looking for that answer, um, you want it now. You don't want to have to go somewhere. You, you, you want to find it as soon and as quickly as possible. And especially when it's that sort of training, it's really served well. So I want to go back to this ATD thing for a minute, if we can. Uh, you've both, you and Dan both, have uh, decided to invest a great deal of time and energy into being a part of this association. I assume neither of you are collecting a check <laughs> every well, two Dan weeks. Dan gets from... a big ATD check. <laughs> Does Dan get a big ATD check? But you obviously feel like there's there's purpose and meaning and reason, and you're getting some sort of return from this investment of your side. I'd like you both to, to speak to it if you if you would. Dan, I'll let you go first. Uh, well, first, I, I do want to clarify, yes, I got a 100% increase this year <laughs> well, on what they paid me last year. <laughs> Excellent. That's Excellent. awesome. And, um, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of answers to that question, Stone, and, and I think um, a great part of my involvement in ATD at the chapter level, I had always been uh, a member of the larger organization um, in my roles running learning and development departments. Um, never really investigated the chapter level until more recently. And there is a, a true sense of community there that I find very rewarding. Um, I think it's great to be able to, to have the opportunity to bring like minds together and uh, promote that kind of sharing, uh, provide opportunities for learning professionals to invest in themselves and develop themselves and grow. Um, and and you know, kind of part of back to what Roger's been talking about and, and some of your questions earlier were around how do we appeal to all audiences uh, across different generations? And I think that's where we're finding a lot of challenge these days, but I think we're learning that you have to do a little bit of everything that you know, you still need to run part of the chapter uh, the way that we traditionally have with right. face-to-face meetings and, and and speakers who are standing in front of the room. But we also martini have to, Mondays, <laughs> the whole thing, right? All, all of that, <laughs> and, and at the same time, we we have to investigate other ways to reach um, other participants, and and we're exploring that, and we're trying to grow that in the Boston chapter. This year is one of our objectives: is how do we how do we um, be more clear about the benefits of membership to mm-hmm. all audiences. And, and so that's one of the things Roger's been a big, big help on on the technology side is exploring these other avenues to provide information. So what are some, Roger, what are some of the uh, ways you're leveraging technology in this regard? Uh, I, I think one of the big things is to uh, use it for communication in our marketing, uh, to really leverage every platform out there as much as possible uh, to engage people. Because I, I think as much as we uh, may come up with maybe a, a plan of emailing a couple times a month or something like that, uh, I know that prior to being on the board and maybe not being a member and maybe being inferior in my networking <laughs> skills, let's <laughs> let's put it that way, uh, you know, the big one is to provide that constant reminder to people and sort of uh, leverage the uh, level of engagement that they're really going to have by showing up. That's what it was for me. That's Mm -hmm. why I got involved was um, due diligence of networking and really meeting the people. And then once I got to know everyone on the board, I thought this is worth any time and investment I can ever make uh, for my own career. I, I 
constantly have this mantra that, you know, my job is not my career. It goes well beyond the scale and scope of what I'm doing at that point in time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those relationships are what you carry through your entire, you know, work life. Now, are you able to leverage technology like you were mentioning earlier about like upvoting topics of discussion or things that are important? We're getting there. We're <laughs> getting there. We're working on that. There's a, there's a lot of stuff we have in the works for 2015. So because you want to create the engagement and you want to give the people what they want, the, you know, just because the leadership thinks something's important, maybe the rank and file aren't on board. That that is absolutely so so accurate. The one thing that we have done and been doing for probably almost the last year is really trying to watch the Twitter back channel. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what's going on mm -hmm. while that person is, uh, you know, on the stage speaking. What's happening to our members? How do they feel about this? Uh, and really watching that closely during that event. And you encourage them to. Oh my gosh, right. ab absolutely. You know, we'll try to hashtag everything and then mm -hmm. I will, you know, go through all that content either live or after and present to the board and say, this is what we found and look at this trend right. and this is what they love. Look at all the fonts we've right. gone. It sounds like a good idea when we're planning <laughs> it, but look, you know. Yeah, how the execution right. goes. Sure, sure. Right, absolutely. So now, uh, what's next for you guys? What big plans for ATD do you guys? I know you mentioned that Iron Chef thing. Well, the Iron <laughs> Chef thing, uh, <laughs> one of the big things this year uh, we're in the midst of doing right now is exploring how to enable live streaming video of our programs cool. for members who are not inclined to come in person. So you're going to use uh, Meerkat or Periscope? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think we're probably looking at a, you know, uh, a sustainable platform, not to say that those aren't. Uh, <laughs> oh, I bet on Periscope. Apparently Snapchat <laughs> is not something you want to use in the business environment. That's been frowned upon. But, uh, Live and learn. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's that, as Dan was saying, it's that delicate balance of serving the live community, and mm -hmm. there's nothing that will ever replace that face-to-face, -face, right. but also serving those individuals who, you know, uh, are a little more time constrained and they do want to see it in a virtual environment so. right and you want to also th get the value of the membership you know just because they couldn't make a, a meeting they shouldn't kind of be that penalized exactly right and the two of you clearly are getting a great deal out of this but in both cases you both have day jobs and your organizations apparently they really embrace this they are fully supporting the idea that you're out there contributing to and drawing from others in the profession I, I, you've got support from from both of your companies it sounds like yeah yeah it's it's you know we can take that information from the meetings and we can you know leverage that networking and bring it right back into our uh, our job on a day-to-day -day basis yeah well before we wrap one thing I would like to do is and I'm gonna ask each of you to, to maybe contribute a thought or two on this is um, a little bit of counsel an idea on someone who maybe has has come to a meeting or two but hasn't really you know truly dived in uh some counsel about how they can get the most out of their association with atd or any other professional association because you guys have clearly cracked the code on that and uh i'll start with with you roger if i could so, some some advice on how can i get the most out of my involvement in yeah because you know how some people think like i paid the money so yeah you know like and, and my business gonna, didn't improve at all yeah. i don't know <laughs> Sure, sure. No, that's a, that's a great, great question. Uh, 
what for me has been the most valuable is uh, just turning to someone who's there and, you know, what challenges are you facing based on what's being presented here? Mm-hmm. And that's always worked for me. I mean, when I was just at uh, that conference, you know, I, I started talking to people. And I said, you know what, really getting uh, SME buy-in is, is uh, something critical to me. And what does that mean to you? Uh, everyone wants to share their opinion and experience, and I think right. that's a wonderful icebreaker to really start to leverage the networking side of things. I mean, even if there's a particular event that uh, maybe your business isn't attacking on a day-to-day basis, those people that are showing up at that chapter meeting, they're experiencing what you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis in other areas of your job. And so you find that the group is good sharers good collaborators they they're open like they're not keeping this as oh that's our secret sauce we do this you know i'm not telling anybody you find them to be more forthcoming and sharing kind of the good the bad the ugly of what they're going through i think by virtue of the type of people there it's you know a lot of lnd organizational development you know the betterment of Mm -hmm. everyone's skills we love sharing we love sharing uh I think someone's not long for the industry if they want to always sort of <laughs> keep that secret sauce concept. Right. But that counsel, you're saying be a little bit vulnerable, be open, say, hey, here's where I'm hurting or here's where we're questioning. Can anybody have something to offer? Just that's that served you well to, to be that way. Sure. Yeah. Share, share the pain. Share the pain and, and make that, a, you know, an open discussion. And someone may have some great tips that you can immediately, within the next 24 hours, yeah. take back to your work. And you know, start to uh, make some changes. Right, and and for me, um, I live by the credo of none of us are as smart as all of us, and we operate a very transparent board in our chapter, where uh, when somebody is coming to a meeting and they they demonstrate that they want to try to get a little more out of it, I invite them to come to a board meeting as a guest. Just come in, listen to listen to how we struggle with running a chapter. Mm-hmm. Listen to what some yeah, of our challenges are. Share some ideas. It's been phenomenal for our board because when you're separated from your your members, you, you don't not hearing everything that they're saying. Right. But when you can get folks in, especially newer members who want to share some ideas or say, "Hey, did you ever think about doing this?" or "Would you consider that?" It's where the growth really comes for the chapter. So, you know, my counsel for newer members who want to figure out what to get out of it is is to investigate if there's an opportunity to come see a board meeting and, and you know, kind of learn more about it. Ask a lot of questions. And it sounds like you're also saying that you, to get involved and take a leadership role, that that's a good way to get involved as well. It, it absolutely winds up being kind of a... Um, a, a recruitment process. So if somebody comes to a board meeting and enjoys it and wants to come again and again, it's likely that they are, are looking to get more involved right. and may potentially be a board member down the road. Now, Roger, you mentioned earlier a learning solutions conference. Can you talk more about that? Sure. Uh, it was in Orlando uh, a couple weeks ago and it was put on by the e-learning guild. And uh, there were some nice trends that I saw in terms of what was going on. I mentioned the micro learning and uh, there was a great presentation by uh, Art Cohn who uh, discussed about booster learning. Uh, you know, there, there's a good chance that everything that we've sort of gleaned right now in terms of knowledge uh, will be 
out of our wonderful brains in the next 48 hours, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, High probability. Uh, 40, <laughs> 48 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I was being lenient, but that's, that's true. And uh, he, he had just a, just such a powerful presentation. Uh, you know, he was uh, overworking in Africa on uh, HIV solutions and, and realized that um, that population knows a lot more than we do on day-to-day basis and prevention and things like that but they don't retain it and it's not sustained uh so he mentioned about uh really putting together this uh memory boosting you know our our brain is malleable enough that it can retain it uh but it's it's not necessarily what occurs in that moment of training it's what occurs after that right and that was huge that was huge to so any to tips that. and tricks um, on this? send out a poll within two days uh-huh. send out a uh, sort of a Q&A, fill in the blanks, within two weeks, and then sort of um, send out an opportunity for people to share examples within two months. So two days, two weeks, two months. Keep people engaged. Keep the conversation going about what they learned. And and not you're not directly asking them what they learned or telling them again what they learned. You're just asking them to use the information that they learned. Sure, just make it make it light. You know, just mm-hmm. sort of reaffirming the information in a poll in the first couple of days. Right. Then fill in the blanks to see what they're really retaining, and then let them talk about that experience. Yep. Good stuff. Well, Dan, I can certainly see why you wanted to put this conversation together. This is a lot of fun, very informative, just as we advertised at the top of the top of the segment. Before we go, though, I want to make sure that our listeners know how to reach out, have a conversation with one or both of you, and learn more about ATD if they don't uh, if they don't know. So, could we get some coordinates for that kind of stuff, please? Uh, if anyone wants to chat with me about the world of learning, Twitter is easiest, and it's just at Roger Shepard on Twitter. All right. How about you, Dan? Are you incognito or can we reach out to you? No, the folks can reach out to me two (laughs) different ways. They can reach out through the uh, Greater Boston ATD chapter. Our uh, website is tdboston.org. Or you can uh, reach out to me directly at dan.collier at training-pros.com. Fantastic. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Roger, thanks so much for coming by and visiting with us. And let's do it again next time we come through. Let's make sure that we get a recap and find out what else is going on. This was great, and, and it wasn't nearly as painful as you said it would be. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Tony. All right. Stone Payton for Lee Cantor, Dan Collier, and Roger Shepard. We will be back in a few from Training Pros Boston. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.